the reality is probably less than 10% of the people who download a checklist or a PDF are gonna consume it from beginning to end. People sign up for things all the time with the best intentions and then don't consume it. So we can use this email sequence to help them consume it. You are listening to the Not For Lazy Marketers podcast, episode number 606. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday if you are tuning in live. We have a lot of really amazing content in the pipeline for you this month. This is my month, I guess I'm calling it like an experiment. It's my month off but I'm also being very intentional with that. So it's not like I'm on vacation the whole month. I do have one trip planned. We're going to go snowboarding. But um, I got the message a few weeks ago or a month ago to take 30 days off and to disconnect from essentially all noise. That's kind of the motivation behind it. So I have had my team lock me out of my social media and I am off – Um, Slack, email, and all of the day-to-day, like our daily huddle, our team meetings, um, the things happening in the day-to-day of the business. Now, my direct reports obviously have a way to get a hold of me. Um, I have text message and I have Voxer on my phone, but it's I told them run it through a need-to-know basis. Like, do I need to know this? Do I need to weigh in on this? Then absolutely contact me. But otherwise, I'm trying to separate myself from the day-to-day to get clarity because I do believe when you are when you have as much noise as us humans have every day because of the constant stimulation of email and social media and notifications, like we don't have time to think. And over the last several years, I've continued to expand the time I spend thinking and allowing myself white space. And every single time I do it, I get incredible realizations and creativity and clarity. And so there's not like one problem I'm trying to solve. I have built my company to where it is and it is capable of running without me. A lot of what I spend my time doing is because I'm just choosing to still be involved. Like I have an entire team from sales all the way through delivery that can run without me and I have leadership team. And so I know that and I want to explore what the next level looks like for me, as well as access just a different level of creativity. Because I do believe as a content creator that when you turn off the noise and you stop consuming from other content creators, you tap into a different level of creativity that's not being influenced by others. And I think this is very, very powerful. So I'm being really intentional during this time and I have you know, 30 plus minutes a day of meditation that I'm going to do. I'm going to do a lot of walking, like silent walking. I'm actually doing this challenge. I'll, I'll share with you guys and then I'll share the takeaways after, but I'm doing this challenge. There's this book called The 12-Hour Walk and basically you walk for 12 hours. 
you walk in silence, no phone. So you're not like listening to music or listening to an audiobook. You are in silence and you're walking. And people get these incredible ideas and just revelations, which makes sense because anytime I walk for like 30 minutes silently, it's an incredible experience. So you walk for 12 hours, you can take breaks. It's not really about the fitness side of things. I think it's more so about the mental side. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this month. I'm, I'm going to start kind of like prepping. I mean, I walk a lot, but I'm going to start prepping by doing like an hour a day. And then I'm going to do 12 hours from like 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And it's going to be super interesting because I feel like that's a long time to not have any other stimulation. Like you're not talking to anybody. You're not – you are in your head and in your body and that's it. So I will let you know how it goes. All right. With all of that aside, today's episode is actually a more tactical, strategic episode. Um, a few weeks ago, I put up a question on my Instagram that asked – what you guys wanted to hear on the podcast because I've been batching a lot to prep for this month and a couple of the recommendations and, and suggestions that people wanted was to understand nurture email sequence strategies. So I decided to kind of break down my own strategy and thought process behind nurture email sequence and that's what we're going to talk about. So first of all, I would classify, th there's a lot of different types of nurture email sequences because Anytime somebody signs up for something, a PDF, a webinar, um, a series, you can have a nurture sequence attached to that. Now, a live webinar or a webinar nurture sequence is going to be very, very different than when somebody downloads like a PDF or a checklist or even a quiz. So in this episode, I'm going to more so focus on the latter, the people downloading a, a PDF, a quiz, um, a checklist, like something really simple versus a webinar. I will touch on the webinar and how it translates, but it's it's definitely different because a webinar, you're trying to get somebody to go watch something, whereas a PDF download, like they download it and they have it right immediately. So it's a different experience. So first of all, you'll notice that I just used the word experience like four times. And if you've heard anything that I talk about on marketing so far, you know I look at marketing as an experience. And so a nurture sequence is not any different. It's an experience that you now get to take these leads on. After they sign up for whatever it is they just signed up for, now the next experience they have is this nurture sequence. And so if we look at it through that lens, what would we want that experience to be like? Well, number one, we want them to get value out of what they just downloaded or the quiz that they just took. The action they just took and they just said yes to means they're super interested in what you have to offer, in the problems you can solve and the desires you can address. They are very interested in this. And so therefore, we want to make sure they get as much value and indoctrination into your brand and you and, and the emotional connection to you as possible. The second thing we want to do in the experience is we want to make sure they know what to do next, that they have a place to go from here. One of the biggest mistakes that I see people make with opt-ins and PDF downloads and quizzes is they just assume that everybody's going to just consume what they just downloaded. And think about that. The reality is probably less than 10% of the people who download a checklist or a PDF are going to consume it from beginning to end. 
people sign up for things all the time with the best intentions and then don't consume it. So we can use this email sequence to help them consume it. That's the first thing I like to do. So when I when I plan out an email sequence, I look at, number one, what is the result that somebody just opted in for? Like what's the promise of my lead magnet or of my quiz or of this checklist? And how can I reinforce the clarity and the understanding and the value that I want to give around this result? And it's really actually quite simple because if you take your lead magnet or whatever they just signed up for, likely you can break this down or you already have into parts, into phases, into steps, into like ingredients that go into, you know, the ultimate results that they want. That can dictate your email sequence. You're going to regurgitate your email sequence, not word for word. I mean, you're going to regurgitate what you just downloaded, not word for word at all, but in a way that gets them continually excited to go consume what they just downloaded while also giving value. So let me give you a really good example of mine. So we put out our marketing playbook every year. It's a huge resource. It's like 60 page PDF. It's our best resource that we put out all year, one of. And I know that majority of people are not going to read through it all. Like they're just not. It's 60 pages. They're going to skim it. They might not even open it. They might have good intentions to open it. Throughout the playbook is sections. So there's you know, marketing predictions. There's strategies that you should implement. There is what worked and what didn't the year before. So all we do in our nurture sequence was this one is our longest one because the resource is so huge. All we do in our in our nurture sequence is we storytell or bring in the components from each of those sections. So I have about four or five emails for each of those sections where I'm really I'm not like copy pasting what's in the playbook. I'm saying it in a different way, in a more appropriate way for email while also teasing what's in the playbook. So let's say that I have, you know, a marketing prediction that's like, you're going to need to live launch. Okay. So I could talk about having email storytelling, why that is so important that you live launch this year. And then I could say, I have this other marketing prediction that is X, Y, Z go to page 22 in the PDF and go check out what it is. So now I've provided value. I have built a connection by with somebody who read that email, right? And I'm building trust and they're going, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Like, this is a really good point about live launching. I just got value from this email. And I, I'm going, you better go read what this other prediction is because I'm not telling you what it is. And so now they want to go read the PDF. Instead of what most people do is they just tease the PDF. They're just like, you just downloaded this. Here's the link. Go check it out, right? And then that some people are going to do it. Some people aren't. But I think the mistake that people make is they assume that because this resource is free, they're like, well, why wouldn't people click it? They only need one email. Like usually when people plan a um, nurture sequence, like only the first email gives the resource. And I'll tell you how I integrate the offer in, in a second. But the first thing is not making the mistake of assuming that just because your resource is free, everybody's going to go download it. Everybody's going to go click on it, read it, consume every piece of it after just a single confirmation email. Like that's 5% probably, honestly, of people. The second thing I do 
is I use what's called the super signature. I did not invent this. I actually can't remember who did. It's like an OG marketer. Um, And what that means is below your signature, you put one to three links to where you want people to go. And it doesn't even have to directly go with the content, but it's just there. And so anytime that I write a nurture sequence attached to a PDF, I put the link to the actual PDF in every single email at the bottom, like below my signature. It's not taking away from the the body of the email. It's below after it's like best Emily Hirsch. And then below there is our super signature. The first one I usually do is a, a link back to what they originally downloaded, even if it's two weeks ago. Because what this does is it trains people to open your emails to find the links. Because don't you hate it when you sign up for something and you're like, God, what email was that that they put that link in? Like, I can't find it. I can't remember the subject line. Oh, forget it. I'm just going to move on to the next thing, right? But if if my links are there in every single email, now I'm training people open my email because all the links you need are in every single email, right? You can also, side note, you can also use this when you um, – have a sequence attached when someone buys from you, like buys a course, you put the login at the bottom of every email, and then you're training people who bought from you to open all your emails. These are just delivery emails, but let's say you have a, you know, a delivery sequence after someone buys your course to get them to consume it, go through it, make steps. You put the login at the bottom of every email to make it super easy for people to know when and where to log in. The second Um, link that I put in my super signature is typically a link to our application. So that's where I want people to go. Like that's the right thing for my business. For you, it might be an offer. It might be booking a call. It might be a product. Um, Wherever you want someone to go next in terms of your paid offer, you'll put it in the second link. And so this means even if the email is a nurture email, like I'm not pitching anything about my offer, If someone reads it and goes, oh, this is so good. Like I need help like this in my business. Well, there's a link to the application at the bottom, right? So we usually will change up like what we write there, but it's it's one sentence, you know, leading to the application. And then the third link, sometimes I don't do this. Um, It depends on the email and if it's too much, but it it should be another piece of content. So usually we use my podcast and we will link to like a different episode in my podcast. So it's like, here's more value basically. So let's back up and kind of recap what I have said so far. When planning a nurture sequence, I would say it's going to usually be between eight and 12 emails. My playbook email sequence is like 21 emails because the playbook itself is such a hefty resource that we can put it out in that long of of a sequence and it's very valuable. So look at the possibility of how could I break down what somebody just downloaded into themes or steps or sections that I could write emails around and send them back to what they downloaded, get them intrigued by and wanting to go and consume what they downloaded or signed up for and to my next step that I want them to go, whether that's an offer, application, call, or product. Okay. Now, in some cases, if you have like a checklist, for example, like if you have a one page checklist, it's kind of hard to regurgitate that checklist. So in those cases with clients, what I've done is said, what is some complementary 
content that we could create that would be related to this checklist that would make someone want to download this checklist. So this could be, I think for one of our clients I planned out, it was like the five mistakes that people make when it comes to, uh, I think this was for when it comes to like interior designing because the checklist was for that. So we actually use different types of content to write emails around the five mistakes. And then we led each of those like to the checklist. So there are some cases where the the download is so simple that you can't turn it into a bunch of content and that's okay. Think about some complimentary content that could go with that. Now, these emails are not like essays, okay? So choose one simple angle from each and, and think about, keep it really simple. Think about what would you open? What would you open and what would you read in your inbox? People love storytelling. People love emotion. They connect with emotion. People love value, right? So do not, like I actually put this in capital letters when I wrote the the notes for this episode. Do not sound templated because I promise you like the second that you start sounding like a robot in your emails because everyone is following the same exact format, people are going to stop opening them. They're going to be like, they're going to tune it out because we are designed to tune out that stuff. As humans, like if it's predictable, it's the same thing every time. It's the same format every time. It's not valuable. It sounds like a robot wrote it. We're not going to listen to it and we're going to stop opening the emails. So make sure that your emails don't sound templated. Don't make everyone the same exact format. Think of it through storytelling and what you would want to open. Like what would keep you intrigued? If you look at your email and you're like, oh, this didn't give me any value if I opened this and it sounds like a corporate robot, like rewrite the email. And one trick I have if if you need this for writing, um, because I actually do quite a good amount of writing, um, if I want to, I'm, I'm a pretty good writer. It just takes me forever. But for me, one thing that helps so much is I, is I talk out loud <laughs> when I write. And I even do this if I'm in a coffee shop. I have to read it out loud and, and talk through it out loud because then I think about how I would say something to somebody and it helps me write. So I have no idea if that helps you, but it, it really helps me. Okay, so nurture sequence. Plan the experience based on what they just downloaded. How can you reinforce what they downloaded? Doing two things. Teasing what they downloaded so they want to go and consume it because you will win more if the leads actually consume what they download because that builds a stronger relationship with you and therefore is highly likely to lead to a sale. Second thing is you have a place that you want to lead them. So we've talked about in the super signature, you're you're linking that place. Also, if it naturally comes up in one of your nurture emails, like if you're talking about a story of, of a success story as it, and it's relating to the content email, but it would be very easy for you to be like, if you also want results like this, just click here. You can incorporate that into your copy. Like, again, it doesn't have to be a template. This should flow. But at the end of the sequence, I recommend having four to five emails that now are just sales emails. Like they are just focused on getting someone to the next place. So whether that's a product, a a course, a membership, a call, an application, those emails are focused on that. And so the best way to do that is through, again, storytelling, testimonials, um, hitting on core pain and desire. And those emails ideally also have some sort of urgency in them. So is there a bonus? Is there a discount? Is there something that the people who just signed up for 
your lead generation offer and now they're in this sequence that there is a reason for them to go take this action. There's some sort of bonus or discount or something that's going to disappear in a certain amount of time. That's ideal. I mean, you don't have to do it that way, but it will definitely get more people to take action. Sometimes in a lead generation sequence, the next step you want someone to take is maybe go to a free webinar. That's okay. So then those won't be sales emails for you. Those will be webinar invitation emails. So defining the experience you want people to have and then the next place you want them to go is very important because that's your customer journey, right? And so those final emails are going to lead people to that next place. And then the final email I like to put in an email sequence is called a transition email. And it's basically like, you you know, you still haven't bought or you still haven't booked your call or you haven't done this action. You know, that's fine. You may not be ready yet. However you want to say that. Here's where you can go next to make sure you're still getting value from me. So for me, I usually lead people to my podcast or I'll say every Friday, check your inbox and you'll have a newsletter waiting for you that has top converting ads and a note from me. Something that transitions and is like, okay, we have now completed this customer journey, like this experience, and now here's where you can continue to get support because you have not said yes to X, Y, Z. And that's the final um, email that I usually put in a sequence. So usually nurture emails are like eight to 12. They should be an experience. They should lead the, the lead somewhere next, incorporate urgency. And then at the very end, transition someone wherever you want them to go. Um, usually that's some form of like where they can find regular content from you. So your social media, podcast, YouTube, uh, email newsletter. I'll also note this. Um, this may be helpful. So we send out our emails, like my podcast email, my newsletter email. We have a specific tag for people in the back end that get those emails. I don't give the leads that tag until they finish going through this sequence. So when someone came in as a playbook lead, they went through this entire sequence. And then after that transition email at the very end, they got the tag that meant, okay, now start sending them regular emails. And I do this because I want someone coming into, you know, the experience like the playbook to have an intentional experience that's not mixed in with my other emails, like my podcast and our Friday newsletter. And so I know exactly what the experience is like because they're not mixed with my regular emails I'm sending out. So that's a strategy I've also done forever and highly recommend. Um, So that's my nurture sequence strategies. I do want to just touch on webinars for a second. So with webinars, it's a very, very different strategy because you are trying to get someone to go watch something as fast as possible. And then from there, they're in a different experience once they go watch it. So with live webinars, I typically do like two to three, what you would call nurture emails between the time when somebody signs up and when the webinar happens. Obviously, if they sign up like the day before, they're not going to get all those, if any of those. But if they sign up seven days before, they're going to get about three. The purpose of those emails is get them excited for the webinar, get them to save the date and the time, get them to feel like I cannot miss this training. So you're not really, you're not really giving, I mean, you're giving value, but you're, you're more so getting someone to remember. They're like visibility emails. Let's call them that. They are, the purpose of them is save the date and time. And here's why you need to be on this webinar live. 
And if you have like a live bonus or something mentioning that. So during a live webinar, that's all we do. And then we have like a 24 hour and a one hour reminder that the webinar happens and then we go straight into sales emails. So it's just a very different experience. With an automated evergreen webinar, I mean, you're going straight from sign up to here's the webinar. So then you're usually right into a sales sequence. Now, if somebody still doesn't buy, and this is true with any sequence, especially live or yeah, evergreen webinar, if someone still doesn't buy and they go through, let's say you're like six to eight sales emails and they still don't buy, that's when maybe I'd put them in a nurture sequence that is like what I just described for the lead gen, where you break down like four topics or things that you could talk about in over the course of like eight to 10 emails and you just nurture them. And then maybe you send them back to your offer at the end of that. I use, I do teach, it's in the back end of uh, my essential program and our marketing content, the 90 day nurture sequence. And so what that looks like is there's like, there's multiple. So they opt in, they go through the initial nurture sequence, whether that's a webinar or PDF, they get your sales emails. And then if they still don't buy after that, you put them in a longer term nurture sequence that's like once or twice a week emails. And then you build in flash sales into that sequence. I would say this is only right for maybe like a webinar funnel or a live launch where someone still doesn't buy and you just want to be really intentional with like weekly nurture content to help them overcome objections and build that trust. What I do like about that strategy is it forces people to also have, when you have the flash sales in there and you're driving people back to your offer, it's just an automated way to do that. So like when someone joins my list and then in 30 days from now or 45 days from now, I might have an automated kind of flash sale or promotion to my offer that I don't even have to think about, like it just happens. So that's kind of taking it to the next level, but figured I'd share that. Um, and those are my email sequence strategies. I, I think the biggest thing for you guys to take away is it's an experience. How can you create an experience? And also make sure you are clear anytime you're creating an email sequence on what the intention is of the sequence. Like what do you want people to do and feel in this email sequence? And that will help drive your copy, your topics, and everything you create around it. All right, you guys, I will be back on Thursday. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Not For Lazy Marketers podcast. If you love this episode and want deeper support with your marketing, head over to helpmystrategy.com to see how Hirsch Marketing can help take your marketing to the next level no matter where you're at today. We help our clients scale faster than ever, find hidden leaks in their funnel, experiment with new creative marketing strategies, and help their business explode and be more profitable than they ever dreamed possible. Head over to helpmystrategy.com and see if you qualify for a free strategy audit with Team Hirsch. <laughs>